Hi, and welcome to the second episode of this new series of Get Ready, The Cost of Doing Business, hosted by me, Libby Potter. I'm a former presenter of The Money Programme and have subsequently hosted several business-adjacent podcasts. This mini-series for London Business Hub will uncover how businesses can navigate the challenges brought on by the cost of living crisis. In each of the episodes in this series, we'll feature SME business owners and experts to talk about topics really relevant in the SME space right now. And today, we're talking about making our businesses more energy efficient in a time of heightened energy costs. So, what challenges are businesses facing during this time and what are the opportunities ahead? To discuss these questions and more, I'm joined by environmental journalist Anna Turns, Mike Russell, a business consultant who works closely with the Federation of Small Businesses, and Maria Spiru from Turner and Townsend. Firstly, I would like to get you to give me a bit of background about yourselves to sort of talk about your relevance in this space. So let's start with Anna. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, Libby. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Anna. I've been working as a journalist for the past 20 years or so um, in different media, so partly in TV, partly magazines. But through all of my work since studying biology, I've always focused on solutions. So I love writing most about really tricky subjects and pulling out the progress, the innovations, looking at the change makers who are doing amazing things to try and solve problems. So I'm really excited to be here today to talk about energy efficiency. I'm excited to hear about solutions. It's, it's such a thorny topic sometimes. Mike, can you tell me what your relevance, your background is to this, this space? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I came out of corporate employment in 2018, having had 30 not quite a lot of years in the insurance financial services sector and started work as a business consultant. And 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 really, it was just really getting to grips with local, small SMEs, micro businesses as a mentor and a coach to start with and working on different contracts with the growth hubs in the region. Brexit was one of them. Then we moved into peer-to-peer and net zero, road to net zero, the end, you know, end of last year and early part of this year for New Anglia LEP. And more recently, um, looking at that in relation to the cost of living and how, how is that impacting on small businesses. Uh, and it's really, really interesting that we see a real challenge for businesses with this challenge to head into net, the, the road to net zero, being a, a drain on their business, looking for them to invest in huge technological solutions, when really most small businesses are more concerned with survival. Um, so we take a different approach. We, we take a bottom-up approach, which really starts to identify their processes, their efficiencies, and making sure they're a sustainable business. And then by that, I mean they're a business that's going to be with us, you know, for the longevity and not, um, you know, just, to, you know, the here and now. So we try and help build their processes, make sure they're efficient, and any energy they're using is being used to its maximum usage, basically. And, and do they need the energy they're, they're using? We often get asked, can you can you come and reduce the cost of our energy? We actually don't start there. We start with looking at their processes. So Great. You've pretty much done the entire podcast already, but thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, we're, we're obviously going to go back and elaborate a lot more on, on a lot of the points that you've raised. 
But first, let's hear from Maria. Can you give me a sense of, of where you are in this space? What, why perhaps you're in this space? Yeah, of course. So I'm Maria. Um, I started my career in uh, sustainability and energy efficiency about uh, 13 years ago with an engineering doctorate with Tesco. So I was looking at the energy efficiency of their supermarkets, you know, 13 years ago. So I've been I've been in this space for, for quite some time now. Um, in the last couple of years, I've been working with Turner and Townsend and on, an, I want to say, an innovative programme called the Mayor's Business Climate Challenge. So working with the Greater London Authority, looking at supporting SMEs to decarbonise their buildings. It started as a challenge to get them to achieve net zero by 2030, you know, to meet um, the mayor's uh, targets. But what we're seeing this year is all of those SMEs, as Mike said, you know, struggling to stay afloat. So it's actually all about helping them reduce costs and improve their efficiency in the process as well. Great. So let's go back to Anna. So uh, how are we seeing energy efficiency coming into this crisis. It's obviously a much wider crisis. We understand the origins aren't just in the environmental side of things and a desire to reduce carbon emissions, but how how are we seeing energy efficiency becoming more and more relevant in this? So that's a really interesting question because actually I think energy efficiency is massively overlooked and sometimes completely forgotten about. So simply put, it just means getting rid of energy waste. Um, which makes a lot of sense financially, environmentally, um, socially. And I do think more people are starting to realise that because we are starting to value energy more as we see that with the cost of living crisis. But in terms of business, I think there's huge scope for improvement at a really big scale. And that could cause a huge sort of shift in, in how we do things. But also, I think it's really important to remember that when we talk about energy, everything takes energy to make so like every meal you eat every product you have in your home every piece of clothing you wear on your body every journey that you take that is all energy so energy is quite an abstract invisible thing and actually we need to talk about it in terms of stuff perhaps to make it more relatable and more sort of easier to grasp and from there then we can start looking at whole systems so at the moment we live in a society where we have a very mostly have a very linear economy. So we we make, take and dispose of stuff in a linear way. And we need to shift that to a more circular economy where we design out waste. And it might not be a perfect circle, but it's it's more it's more efficient in terms of all the resources that we use. So I do think that in light of the cost of living crisis and rising prices for industry, this energy efficiency is a massive secret weapon in streamlining all of our inputs And that will also maximise profit as well. In terms of a truly sustainable green transition, it's not necessarily about switching everything from fossil fuels to renewables, because actually those renewables will not be able to match that capacity. So it's, it's thinking about bringing down that demand massively and streamlining everything, getting rid of that waste so that actually we kind of we get closer to matching that gap between supply and demand and, and that equation is then more balanced ultimately. I think that's the that's the key problem because at the moment demand is escalating, population growth, all of those things. And we need to curb that and bring that down, not just in the UK, but globally, so that actually it's more in line and then easier to shift to renewables. 
And Mike, do you find that your the businesses that you work with um, are they, they must feel very far away from the front line in Ukraine and very far from the floods in Pakistan? And it must be a sort of challenge for you to to drive home how actually this is for them. It's not we're not now talking about a macro scale. We're not now talking about saving the world. As Anna says, it's for them. And and do you find that that's something that you have to try and get across? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, and as I think I mentioned before, quite a lot of um, we've seen quite a lot of net zero schemes come out and grants being provided for match funded technological solutions, but still meaning businesses are having to invest large sums of money, which they haven't got. And, and really, when we sit down and talk to them uh, and start to identify where the challenges are for them, it starts to bring it home to them a little bit more when we start talking to them about engaging with their people. Not many of the businesses actually engage with the people that are working for them. And let's be honest, they're all facing the cost of living crisis as well at home and actually know quite a lot about what's going on. But just because they're not engaged with it in the business, there's a waste that's going on there already. So so one of our big challenges straight away is to start saying, well, let's talk to your people. Let's engage your teams. Let's have some, you know, climate change um, champions or cost-saving champions in the business because people want want to help, but they don't unless they're asked. Um, but, yeah, there's a few few interesting challenges around that. And, and, and I do think they do feel that actually we've just got to focus on trying to survive till next week and they don't look at the wider picture. Maria, what are you finding uh, that small businesses are facing at the moment? I mean, clearly <laughs> they're facing a lot, but but from your perspective, what's the sort of main thing that you hear? Yeah, I, I think I'm in a, I want to say, fortunate position because the businesses I usually engage with have already applied to take part in this business climate challenge and therefore are already climate conscious um, as such. A lot of them, you know, in the beginning of joining such a program, there is application forms for them to fill in. They need to spend some time to find the energy data and and start engaging with the process. And a lot of them at the very start complain about not having enough time. But when they find that energy bill and they start realizing how big of a cost that is, we find that switch and that engagement, you know, changes very quickly. They then realise that, well, actually, if I can reduce that a bit, then I can actually save some money and maybe give myself some more time. But yeah, the, the initial bit uh, businesses are struggling with is, is time and where to focus on. You know, when you're trying to survive, you don't want to be wasting your time. Anna, it's it's sort of, uh, it's, it's a version of what we see uh, on an individual level for environmental engagement, unless you can apply it personally, it's quite a hard sell to ask people to make sacrifices as it is ask businesses to make sacrifices. I mean, it, it's it's that hurdle that you have to get over, isn't it? Massively. And I think Maria sort of hinted at that. I do think that at the crux of all of this is a mindset shift and we need to change the way we we look at this from a personal perspective and from a business perspective and think more about that long-term benefit because yes, we might have to make investments, but actually over the long-term it will be more sustainable and more profitable and more efficient. I do think the same goes for individual change. I don't think there's any one single quick fix. I don't think there's a kind of magic silver bullet that's going to go, okay, we do this one thing and everything else will slot into place. I think it's so multifaceted and complex, which makes it overwhelming for businesses and for individuals. And to be honest, businesses are made up of individuals. So it is about kind of 
inspiring that positive change in people, but seeing those, the sort of win, win, win nature of this is a really strong pull factor, I think. And, and I do feel like, yes, regulations need to change, of course, but that is so painfully slow. I think businesses have a major part to play in terms of shifting the norm and kind of changing that level playing field. And if more businesses do that, we could reach a tipping point where that does then inform those regulations to shift more generally as well. So I do think there's so much potential and so much opportunity for better business, but it's just, it's reframing it and it's seeing it rather than as this kind of sustainability add-on that people think, oh gosh, you've got to do this as well as everything else. Actually, that sustainability sort of ethos needs to be embedded in every aspect of business. So it shouldn't just be an extra staff member looking at it. It should be in every in every strand of it, in every meeting, in every decision and strategy that is taking place rather than it being an afterthought, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. And it's it's interesting because um, I'll just give a little, little bit of an example of a business that did get engaged with the Ukraine war, if you like, last year. It was an agricultural business I was working with in Norfolk and they had a lot of waste plastic pipes and they decided to raise money uh, for the Ukraine effort by cutting up the pipes and turning them into wine bottle racks, which was quite interesting, and then selling them to the local community. But what it, it, I know that's a very simple thing, but actually it then got all their team engaged, really engaged in it and understanding it. But it's really, to be honest with you, we, we talk about all these things as if they're a new separate challenge that the businesses have got. My argument is that if a business is using best business practice anyway and is understanding its processes and understanding how it's using that energy, then actually it all feeds into the final goal that we all want, which is they're being absolutely maximized. They're maximizing their efficiency, reducing their waste to their maximum. I, I come from a lean and six sigma process background. So they're just a set of tools really that help us identify. Um, so lean is all about, you know, reducing waste and, you know, uh, making sure that you're being ultra efficient in your usage of your materials, resources. Uh, Six Sigma is a, a process that identifies variation in quality. So you bring the two together and it, it gets you to the point of actually producing something that is going to be, you know, hopefully the Six Sigma is a calculation you'll never achieve, but it's it is something that um, you try and achieve variation in your production of your services at the end. And obviously with the lean bit attached to that, um, that helps you reduce your waste. But it's just a set of tools I use to help me identify where I can help those businesses. And, and putting that into practice in a business really helps, you know, bring that forward. And we, we should be doing it anyway. And so I think business get a little bit frightened, you know, small you know, your typical SMEs and micro businesses to get quite frightened when they get these challenges. We're going to be net zero by X, Y, Z, you know, and they're thinking, oh my goodness, something else I've got to worry about. Well, actually, you haven't really, if you're doing what you should be doing anyway, which is making sure your business is managed properly, then that will come with that anyway. And I do think businesses have got late, we have got lazy. And that, you know, I know that's probably not going to be a popular opinion. But, you know, we've had the economy has been really strong. You know, we've had a good, strong economy for 25 years now, probably. So we've got a bit lazy. We haven't had to worry too much. You know, you can get away with quite a lot. And now they're getting challenged to say, well, hang on a minute. You know, you're needing to be more efficient. You're needing to reduce your waste. You know, the planet is in a, is in a difficult situation um, and everything that's going on around it. And 
you know, hang on a minute, you've now got to start doing what you should have been doing 25 years ago or 10 years ago or whenever you set your business up in the first place. And Maria, in terms of actually solving this, it sounds terrifyingly bespoke, as in you have to you sort of each business has to work it out almost for themselves. Like, how are you in, in, in your area? How are you helping businesses understand that it's not a directive from above? It's not a one size fits all. It really is about each individual SME coming up with the answers themselves. Yeah, so we are we're using a I want to say a three prong approach. So each um, organization re- receives their own um, energy audit at their own individual building and premises, where you know an engineer will go around and try and understand how they're using their building. You know, have they got things that are inefficient? For example, you know, are their their time schedule set correctly? Are their temperatures set correctly? Um, and what are their people doing? You know, do they leave all of their lights on or do they do ten things? off of course that's a snapshot of time the couple of hours that the person is um, is on site with them um, but then we follow up with a written recommendation report that not only tells them about what we've observed in their business but we also give them a color coded system to say well actually this is best practice and what you're doing sits I don't know, in the amber zone, for example or what you're doing is actually aligned with best practice you're doing really well in that area um, and then on top of that, we are pro- we're providing um, training courses. That's the, the one to many um, as such training where we talk more generally about what is energy efficiency, for example. Um, what is net zero? You know, do people actually understand what that is? Is there a definition? Also about behavior change or engaging with your employees or your colleagues. Um, how do you engage with your colleagues and how do you get them to come along on the journey with you? Um, I know Anna mentioned earlier that it shouldn't be an individual, you know, it should be an, a whole organization doing it. So we are trying to give them the tools to enable them to bring the whole uh, organization with them. And then if that that's not quite how you like to learn, we'll also be producing written guides um, so that people can actually take something away with them and, and read it at their own time. So we're trying different things to to engage different types of, of learning and different people, different type of uh, receiving information. So just scroll back, back slightly. How How is this being paid for? I mean, you said that you go in and you do this. I mean, these are small companies. So how how is this being being covered? So this is actually a paid program by the Mayor of London. So it's a it's a Greater London Authority initiative. We've bit for the work as, as consultants and we're currently working with the GLA and WSP to deliver this program. And Anna, do you think this kind of approach is sustainable itself? Like, can we literally go door to door and advise people to turn the heating down three degrees and to recycle more waste? And is this something that can can actually or is this what we have to do? In fact, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to fix everything, but we need to start somewhere. So we need to do what Maria is doing and we need to get as many people doing these changes but then we need to we need to roll that out and scale it up really really quickly and i think once more people realize it's working and that it's positive in many ways there will be more demand for it so one thing i've i've come across recently is this idea of energy coaches in amsterdam so amsterdam is a very forward thinking city it's trying to be very circular in how it runs its economy you can sign up to become an energy coach but you can also ask for an energy coach to come to your home or to your office to your to your work building and basically give you advice and and make it really specific for your lifestyle and for your 
business setup, which I just think is really, really exciting because it's an empowering thing. And it's, it's special, it's specialist to you. It's, it's kind of context specific. It's not a kind of, you're not being dictated to from, from above. And, and often I think people don't know where to go to ask these questions. So having somebody come into a business like Maria's doing and saying, look, this is, this is what the map is. This is where the signposts are. That makes a massive difference because often this is just so overwhelming and unknown and confusing for people that they don't even get started. So I don't think this alone is the answer. I think obviously we need much bigger scale up and, and bigger shifts, but I think it's re- it's a really important step to building that momentum and to getting people having those conversations and to plant those seeds in in kind of how we do business and how we live our lives. It sounds like, Mike, the the whole uh, energy efficiency drive needs slightly better PR. Like it shouldn't just be seen as, you know, this is a reaction to the current situation. It should be sold as something that's going to be the future and a brilliant solution for all of us. Yeah, it is is a bit of a challenge. And and part of the problem is the way we distribute funds in the UK from government down, um, unfortunately. And uh, and, and that, that sort of like, you know, centralized sort of like plan that they've got in in amsterdam is great you know we are we are doing some of the roads net zero program was a little bit around that so let's have some consultation get into businesses leave them with a decarbonization plan but it's a bit hit and miss by region and and you're right and the, the pr is really poor because businesses are sold this idea that You've got to spend loads of money on technological solutions. There's just too many uh, technologically technological businesses out there, if you like, selling themselves as net zero net zero mentors. I've had that said, and actually, they're salesmen selling solar panels, and, and it's really frustrating. <laughs> that uh, technology has its place, of course, it does, but it, it, the PR is so driven by technology that it just puts everybody off and they don't want to engage. And that, that is a real challenge. Often the solutions don't have to be technically really complicated. Often it's about streamlining and simplifying and you don't necessarily need to spend loads of extra money on stuff. So I, I would say less is more and agree with Mike. And that is exactly what we've, we've, that's where we come in, as I said before, a bottom-up approach and just look at what you're doing now and see what you can change without any cost. You can do it pretty pretty quickly. And, and, and actually one of the big one of the big selling points, if you like, for businesses, I, I also work on a Go Digital program for Norfolk County Council. And I always talk to them about signing up for the um, Government Hub for Climate Change, which is really, really good. It's free to sign up to. Loads of great information on there for small businesses uh, to utilise. And and actually, then you can start advertising that and talking about it, that in your social media as a small business because guess what? Net zero is becoming a buying decision. You know, Maria mentioned Tesco's earlier. All their suppliers are going to have to be net zero or moving to net zero. And and if it's th- that is then a reason for a business to get engaged simple. with it. Simple yeah. as that. And if you're driving towards net zero, that's going to bring your cost of energy usage down. Maria, is that the future then? So rather than uh, us having to actually purchase or consume more technology in order to reduce our reliance on energy that actually we need to get savvy about identifying ourselves as energy savers in order to kind of then latch back into the the market forces which suggest that this is that this is what people want they want to hear that their delivery vans are electric they want to hear that the company recycles and so that will then drive greater trade is that perhaps a 
a way of looking at it for small businesses? I think you need to look at what you've got available and then decide um, what you can do from there. For example, one of the, the businesses that, so we've run this program last year as a, as a pilot, and one of the businesses that saved the most amount of energy and uh, therefore money already had technology installed, but they weren't using it correctly. You know, they set their time, they didn't set their timers at all. So their heating and cooling and lighting was running 24 seven. Um, it was a tenant that built in, the tenant didn't care the landlord didn't know. So it was all on 24-7. So by simply one of us visiting that organization and suggesting that they change their, their schedule or they set up a schedule, they saved more than a third, a third of their electricity and gas consumption. Technology can play its part, um, but we also need to be clever and actually set that technology up correctly in the first place. So it's, it's not all about installing new kits, it's, it's about using what we've got efficiently and effectively as well. Is it Occam's razor? There's the simplest solutions often the best, Anna. I mean, the, the thing that blows me away is that I've only just heard the City of London is going to turn all its skyscraper lights off at night. I mean, you know, blazing out in Canary Wharf through the night until now. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? It's just not rocket science, is it? It's just so much of this is common sense and going back to basics, I think. And I think this is why it's such an interesting issue that has been, like, why has this been so overlooked? It's nuts that we've overlooked this for so long. I think it was um, recently the International Energy Agency announced that energy efficiency can take us one third of the way to net zero, which that's, that's enormous. That's incredible. And yet it's not it's not trendy enough maybe to talk about. And I do think we need to be having more of these conversations because it isn't rocket science. We can absolutely do this. And it's, it's lots of the little changes, but lots of the bigger scale changes as well at a city level, at a national level, at a global level will make a massive, will have a massive ripple effect. So Mike, what do you think the key things are that businesses should start to think about when it comes to transforming themselves into more energy efficient enterprises? One of the things we don't want, one of the good things that came out of COVID, if you like, if there is any good things that came out of that, was the greater change in the way we work. You know, a lot more working at home and and, um, reducing the traffic on the roads and the journeys. And I think one of the frustrations I've seen, if you like, this just carte blanche change. Right, okay, we don't need to do that anymore. We'll get back everyone back in the office. And, and you know, we, well, why? Why do you need to do that? You know, so I think businesses need to really understand what was gained from changing working practices. I mean, we haven't talked here about, you know, the impact on our staff's health and well-being and because they're, undergo- they're going through lots of pressures themselves at home and how are they going to pay their energy bills? And this does impact on them coming to work and how can they – run their car and drive to work, could we find a better way? You know, we've we've found that working at home is really efficient and successful. You know, yes, you don't want to be doing it all the time, but why are we starting to draw those people back into the city of London? I mean, I used to work in the in the in the walkie-talkie building and I was encouraged or basically I had to go into the office what at least at least once a week just to be there. And all I did was turn up, chat to my mates, did my emails I did I could have done at home and went home again. I mean, it was good from a collaboration point of view, yeah, but what a waste of energy and time and effort. And and they're going back to that. And unfortunately, we don't want, we shouldn't look, lose what was good from COVID. And that was, you know, we had it when we saw the climate, you know, we were getting herons and butterflies we weren't getting in the garden before because of the traffic and the noise and, the, you know, where I live. And 
and I just find that really frustrating. I'm sorry, but and I do think businesses just need to sit, just take a breath and say, right, hang on a minute, let's engage, let's see what's going on. What what do our people feel? What's in it for us as a business owner? Because that's key. Every business owner wants to know what's in it for them. And I said talked about the buying decisions, but also if it's keeping your people working and more efficient and healthy, less absenteeism because you've got a flexible working system, you're not having the journeys on the road, it's going to help massively. It's very simple things. In terms of what people want, though, they might not be able to afford to heat their home and they might be freezing cold and they might prefer to come into the office. So I think it isn't it isn't as simple as saying, stay at home, don't heat the office buildings, because actually a lot of people are struggling to pay their bills. And if they can get the bus into work, they might prefer to do that because they're then using the company's energy. So in terms of cost of living and energy efficiency, it's a complex picture. I think I think it's about talking to people and seeing what works best for them and finding a model that works. Absolutely. That's what I say. It's a flex, got to be a flexible approach. And, and yeah, what works for one doesn't necessarily work for another, but it's being open and flexible to those conversations rather than just a dictatorial, this is what we will do, this is where we've got to be approach. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, Anna, it sounds very much like the key is that we've got to be flexible and adaptable, all of us, in, in business, in our private lives. Like That's really the only way that we can approach such a massive problem with any degree of chance of success. Absolutely. And I think one thing we haven't touched on properly yet is the idea of a smart grid as well, which is absolutely all about that adaptability and flexibility. So, being able to maximize on renewables when it's really windy and sunny and then store that for when it's most needed and having having those systems that are are interactive i suppose and responsive most people are in a quite an old fashioned way of using energy actually if we if we modernize that and upgrade that to a really smart system where in an ideal world people are using their electric car batteries as a storage system and and using the really cheap energy they've put into that to fuel their homes in the day, for example, that sort of idea at a bigger scale could have have a massive impact. So Maria, just to sort of sum up everything that we've talked about, what, what advice would you give to businesses right now who are listening to this, who perhaps are not going to get a, a one-on-one visit from the Mayor of London scheme, but who want to anyway capitalize on some of these ideas that you've had? Yeah, I would definitely get them to um, look at, at their organization and their business. So first of all, find your energy bills, um, find where your meter is, understand what that meter is is reading and take uh, regular meter readings. So if you don't already have a smart meter, for example, take, I don't know, take daily meter readings to start with so that you understand how much energy your organization is using um, for a couple of days, a week, you know, a month, um, just so that you understand it to start with. Now, if you have smart meters, then speak to your supplier and find those login details for, so that you can download that, that half hourly data so that you can see how you're using energy. Half hourly data gives you a lot of information about your building and especially how much you're consuming overnight. Um, I think for me, that's a that's a pain point. You know, you mentioned earlier about uh, skyscrapers in the city having their lights on overnight. Is your small business having staff on overnight? You know, what is consuming energy when you're not there? I would start from that because that's energy you, you're not going to miss, for example. You're not going to miss that, that thing that's running overnight. 
Um, and then looking at your other other operations, you know, we energy efficiency is not about making someone's life uncomfortable or making a process not work. Energy efficiency is about getting rid of consumption that you weren't actually using. So other things on standby, you know, how often are you using that printer? Do you need an in-house server, for example, or can you store things in the cloud? And start asking yourself yourself those questions about your business and your organization. And then I think that will give you an idea of where, of what you can look at next. Do you have a roof, for example? Can you install solar panels? You know, can you go renewable? Um, But I think start from the things that you can reduce first, save yourself some money, and then you can take it from there. So, Mike, apart from going to the pub at 9am, <laughs> what advice would you give? <laughs> no, my, my advice would be seek out advice. You know, there are lots of areas where you can get free advice. So your growth hubs, you've got the Federation of Small Businesses, of course, um, but go to the FSB and get advice and help. You don't have to be a member. The same with the Chambers of Commerce. They give some great steer and great advice. And, and I mentioned the SME Hub for Climate Change, the government website as well. Go and seek advice. Don't be afraid to say you don't know or what can I do or how can I improve? There's lots of lots of ways you can get help and support free of charge as a small business because it's being funded. And Maria's you know, talked about the scheme she's involved in. I've talked about some of the things I'm involved in. There is funds coming down to businesses to go and seek out the advice. And if you're in a network, use your network. You're, you're strengthening your businesses in your network. We always say that, don't we, I'm afraid. But um, it's absolutely true. There'll be experts there who are always willing to help and give you free advice. So just ask. And Anna, what, what would you say to small... I mean, you've got a more macro perspective, haven't you? But what would you say if you were approached, what would be your number one piece of advice to a small business? So I would absolutely echo what Maria and Mike have said, but I would also add that I think transparency is really, really key. And don't be frightened that you're not already perfect. It's okay. Nobody is. But I think bringing people along with you on that journey of discovery, being really curious about how to improve things can be a really powerful thing. And so that storytelling aspect is really, really important to your staff, to your colleagues, to your customers, to your suppliers. And actually, then you are then potentially going to have impact beyond your business as well. So throughout those supply chains, so joining those dots, which is a really incredible thing. So I would say be be curious, be really honest, keep that accountability and integrity throughout everything and just keep questioning, keep trying to find better solutions. I love that, the storytelling aspect. You're so right. You're so right. Um, Mike, could you give me an idea of what your opinion is on the future for small, medium enterprises past this cost of living crisis. So once we have, whenever that happens, once we consider ourselves on stable ground again, what do you think the future looks like? I do get the feeling that we we have this habit in this in this country and probably in the world, we're probably all the same really, but we everything's all doom and gloom and everything's going to collapse and there won't be any, any small businesses anymore. And I know some of the Policies that are around, had, had a conversation with my local MP recently about the, the autumn statement and how that impacted small businesses. But, you know, we all struggle. We're all thinking that businesses are all going to fold and, and, and collapse and there isn't going to be any small businesses going forward. That's wrong. We, we've seen it in the past. Yes, a lot of businesses will close this year. A lot of businesses will, businesses will struggle. But we have a fantastic entrepreneurial spirit in this country. And, and that that's not going away. 
People want to find solutions of their own and will continue to develop and grow. So yes, we're going to struggle. We're going to have a hard time. But the businesses that survive out of it and grown th- come through it are usually stronger. We saw that in the, uh, the the financial crash more recently. Businesses that survived that became out of it stronger, and there'll be more new businesses that come in with new bis- you know new things to s- solve the problems that we're now facing. So I think I think that you know the SME and micro market what's it account for something like eighty percent of our um, you know our GDP in this country. So. That's not going to change. It's it's just cyclical, um, and it's not good for some people, but it will be good for others, and we'll grow through it. Maria, um, we're famously a nation of shopkeepers. I'm the daughter of a shopkeeper myself. Will all these shops survive? I mean, how? What, what's your view on the future for small businesses? I'm the same. I'm I'm the daughter. Yeah, I'll bet not in the UK, but yes. Um, so I do think that I, I do agree with Mike that it's all cyclical, and if you if you persevere and you find your way through whatever financial crisis is is upon us, then you can be a stronger business and a stronger business person um, at the other side of it. Um, this is what I've learned from my mum. You know, my mum's business has been going on for 40 years now. And um, if you ask her, she, she would tell you that, yes, a financial crisis come and go. Um, if I find my way and navigate out of this financial crisis, then we'll be um, a stronger business after it. So that's, that's why I've, I've learned from her. And Anna, a final word from you. So I really think that up until now, energy efficiency has been this elephant in the room. And I think if we tip that on its head, we as businesses and business owners and entrepreneurs can be really proud of energy efficiency as a really big achievement. I think it's a really exciting future ahead. Um, And I think everyone and everything benefits from that. I think environmentally, economically, socially, there's so many aspects to that. Um, And it all taps into that ultimate goal to wean ourselves off fossil fuels, basically. Um, There's a quote that I I included in an article I wrote recently by Kim Fousing, the CEO at an engineering firm called Danfoss, who are very brilliant at their energy efficiency solutions. And he said, the greenest, safest and cheapest energy is the energy we don't use. It's (laughs) it's that simple. Thank you so much, guys. It's, It's such a fascinating topic. We could go on forever. But for now, I think we're getting a very clear message that there is hope and there are solutions. And you guys are fortunately part of that. My thanks to all of our guests, environmental journalist Anna Turns, Mike Russell, a business consultant who works closely with the Federation of Small Businesses, and Maria Spirey from Turner and Townsend. Don't forget to subscribe to the Get Ready, The Cost of Doing Business podcast for the London Business Hub on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could leave a review because it really makes the podcast easier for others to find. And remember to visit businesshub.london, that's businesshub.london, to access a variety of free support programs, advice and resources relevant for SMEs. We'll be back next time with an episode about managing and closing businesses during the cost of living crisis with more SME owners and experts, Tom Redfern, Steve Heil, Richard Robinson and Elaine Lewis. Business Ready is a Fresh Air production. I'm Libby Potter. Thanks for listening.